Welcome to the Ultimate Coach Podcast, Conversations from Being, inspired by the book, The Ultimate Coach, written by Amy Hardison and Alan Thompson. Join us each week with the intention of expanding your state of being, and your experience will be remarkable. Remember, this is a podcast about being. It is a podcast about you. To explore more deeply, visit theultimatecoachbook.com. Now, enjoy today's conversation from B. Welcome to the Ultimate Coach Podcast. Today, I'm here with Carl Havenstreit, who is the author of How to Take Care of Business with the Enneagram and, oh wait, I just found out about the children's book that you wrote also. Nina makes... Nina and the really, really tough decision. Yes, Nina and the really, really tough decision. And I I um I love that you've created a book for us to raise our children differently and run our, our businesses better. Um and and that's why I invited you to read the Ultimate Coach book um when we first met. And I'm just curious, what was your greatest takeaway? I know you saw a lot of mm-hmm. synergies in the work that you do. And I yes. told you that the leadership team actually uses the Enneagram, you know, mm-hmm. so that we can work really well together. So right. what what did you see? So a lot of the takeaways are really foundational to change, really. So it's, first of all, readiness, the the coaches readiness and willingness to commit to the process of coaching and growing and developing and changing. So I think that was one key takeaway. And the other key takeaway was that relentless focus on whatever the change or the goal is that needs to happen and putting it out there in the universe and using your network, using your connections using people you never even thought would be able to help you reach that goal, reach that goal. And just that whole humanity of coming together to help people, just to help people reach whatever goals that they have and, and just be better. Yeah. And I'm hearing you like in there talking about seeing the world through as possibility and everyone that's in your world as a co-creator, is, is yes. that accurate? Yeah, the, your network, absolutely. Because I, you know, story after story that Steve was talking about was connecting people that never would have met otherwise that would have some sort of impact in their lives to be able to make the difference or make the the growth happen or make the vision a reality. Yeah, and so for yourself now, there. I'm gonna just read this. There's some instructions on the back of the book. Um, that says to we we should read this as if it's about ourselves, right? Yes. So who would you need to be to be more loving? We just had a mm-hmm. whole conversation about that. And yes, you know, who would you need to be to be a more effective parent and mm-hmm. all these things. So like when when you read those instructions and and then you started reading the book for yourself, what shifted in your life? Being more, even more open, being even more open to possibilities, to understanding people, to understanding their different ways of thinking, of being, and loving, 
Um, so just understanding that it's going to be different and the people are different <laughs> and that uh, we need to celebrate those differences as well as um, understand them as, as ways of, of continuous love, of, of ways of, of continuous support in their own way, as opposed to differences that will divide us. Yeah. So, much so openness and less judgment for sure. Yeah. And, and so like, how are you infusing that into your work too, as a um, executive coach yourself? So one of the principles of executive coaching is the love of your client, right? Loving your client for where they are and, and supporting them in everything that they want to do, not judging them. So it's just that constant reminder of, I, I understand, especially when using the Enneagram and knowing where, where they're coming from, what's motivating their behavior. So understanding that and loving them for that and then helping them get even better. So it's not judging them. It's not putting them in a box. It's not doing anything that's going to prevent them from reaching their goal, but honoring where they're coming from and then expanding that. Let's talk about that. I want to talk more about the Enneagram. Um, mm -hmm. So let's uh, connect the worlds of being and the Enneagram. When, when you say, you know, not judging your clients and, you know, and loving them more and everything, the, the state of being that, let me see, how do I want to ask this question? Like that, what's the, what's the bridge between the worlds of being loving and knowing that your client is a number eight, for example? So it's honoring that it's really, uh, especially if I am not, well, it, regardless whether I share their core type or not, it's understanding why they may be viewing or approaching the situation the way that they're doing it and helping them to also open up their minds and hearts to other opportunities and possibilities of approaching the situation rather than that automatic default that may get them into trouble because this is not the time to do that. So it's, it's understanding and, and loving that part about them and expanding it even more so that that part is going to be helpful in certain situations, maybe not this one. And let's keep it, but let's expand as well. So it's, it's not, uh, it's not getting stuck really. It's not getting stuck in, in our, old ways or our comfortable ways. Yeah. Yeah. And for those of the people listening, can you explain to them what a number eight is? Oh, so the eight is the boss protector or general. Um, they're really, really great at leading, executing, delegating, getting, getting things done. Very similar to the type three, but the eight tends to have a lot more passion and energy and force and, and just really, um, Force of nature, really. <laughs> so it can sometimes be overwhelming to other people uh, or intimidating to other people because of their forcefulness and the energy and the passion they bring to a problem or a meeting or just a relationship. So it's it's honoring that, understanding that and getting to why do they need to be that way? And how can we create a more comfortable environment where they can then access with the Enneagram, you're a core type, you have a core type, but you're also able to access all the other eight styles as well. So the eight automatically goes to two 
under comfort and to five under stress. So how can we get them to incorporate more of that two-ness and to soften their approach and their power and their energy uh, so that they're in a much more comfortable space as opposed to a, I don't want to call it a reactive space. So in, in the creative leadership circle, it would be like your reaction, your reactive state that's automatic. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we not fall victim to our pre-wiring or hardwiring of acting a certain way and just to have that wiring really go to all the other parts of the Enneagram as well. So we can access all nine numbers appropriately. Yeah. So it's like a a full uh, self-integration. It is. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you share your story with how you landed on the Enneagram and, and creating that in the world? Absolutely. So I was in human resources and I was wanting to expand and go into organization development. So I decided I would go and pursue a PhD in organizational psychology. And little did I know that would change my life. I don't know how premeditated that was. I just knew that I needed to further my education, expand my boundaries and find out more. And so I ended up at the Aligned International University. Back, well, before it was aligned, it was California School of Professional Psychology mm-hmm. in California, in Alameda. And then they moved to San Francisco. And then there was, well, there was a merger between schools. And that's how it became Aligned International University. And they had a PhD program in organizational psychology that I was able to do part-time and work full-time during the day. So one of the courses that I took, the professor was friends with Helen Palmer, who is a big name in the Enneagram. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know anything about the Enneagram at the time. I was a Myers-Briggs person. That was the big thing <laughs> oh, at the time. Oh, wow, were you? Yes, yes, I was. Everything was Myers-Briggs back then. Yep, I remember. And, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. And it has its its wonderful applicability and it also has its limitations, just like every system does. Mm-hmm. And so Helen Palmer came in and she did one, it was one class. It was, I forget whether it was an hour or an hour and 20 minutes or whatever it was, introducing the Enneagram to us in a, in a system where we basically read these nine paragraphs and we self-selected what type we thought we were. So it was far enough in the program where I picked my type. I'm like, yes, 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 I'm a seven. <laughs> and all my, my, my classmates were like, you're not a seven, you're a two. <laughs> because everyone you wants don't to be see a seven. yourself. <laughs> Yeah, so, so we oh, don't want to be the type we are. That's when we know we're, we're that type. We don't when wow. we find the type that we don't want to be. That's the type that we know that we are because that's the stuff that we don't like about ourselves, right? Hmm. So yeah, so I do have seven. I do access my thinking style through seven for sure, <laughs> and I can show up um, as a seven from time to time, <laughs> a lot. So yes, so be honest. <laughs> yes, a lot. <laughs> So they, they, uh, so they did this thing you're not supposed to ever do. You're not supposed to tell someone their type, but it was great because it challenged me. And then I ended up taking a more valid assessment. The, uh, there was an assessment called the IEQ nine through integrative Mm -hmm. Enneagram solutions. And that landed, of course, that, that resonated that it was two and I've taken it again in the two. So yeah, your type is your type for life, by the way. So it doesn't change. And unlike Myers-Briggs. Yeah. Yeah. Your Myers-Briggs can change. What what does change though, is your ability to access the other eight styles as you focus more and more in development. And what also changes is that you're not your 
core type all the time. Under stress, you take on other characteristics. So earlier we said the eight can go to two under comfort. Mm -hmm. That line that connects the eight and two means that the two goes to eight under stress. So the Mm. opposite is true. For when one goes to one type goes to another type for comfort, that type that they go to will go to them under stress. Mm. So it's the opposite, the flip. Okay. So yeah, so I went to this class, I heard about the Enneagram. I'm like, wow, this is life-changing because this is about motivation. It's not about just behaviors that like all the other systems are just talking about behaviors that you're going to see. You're going to see this person be more introverted. Okay. You're going to see this person be more extroverted. Okay. You're going to see this person make decisions based on facts. Okay. What's motivating that? What's motivating their introversion, their extroversion, their 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 decision making, their view of the world, their timing, their relationship to timing, the, the J versus the P and all that stuff, the time orientation. So it just opened up my eyes because it, it just was the, that that foundational motivational factor that was driving all those behaviors that all the other systems are talking about. And it also opened my eyes up to the fact that we are not addressing this in our organizations. We are only rewarding certain types that we we have greater value for based on our culture and, and what our country is valuing. And we are devaluing or undervaluing the contributions of these other types who we're in effect excluding from the organization because we're not doing everything we can to make the organization an appealing, inviting, and inclusive place for them. So. Mm-hmm honoring those diverse perspectives, those diverse motivations, the diverse input, and we're shutting it down and shutting it out. So how can we create an environment where we can be more accepting and celebrating and inclusive of these diverse perspectives that we need in order to have successful organizations, families, relationships, and on the list goes on, obviously, so that we can create better products and services to meet the needs of the diverse populations that we serve. Yeah. So that's diver- really where um, it came from. Uh, that's my introduction to it. And, and I just got so enamored with it. Thank God it was early on in the program that I was then able to gear all of the other uh, classes that I was taking towards helping me in the ultimate dissertation on how to help organizations to attract, retain, and motivate employees using the Enneagram principles. Yeah. And that's so important. I mean, it's always been important to be inclusive, right? Because Mm -hmm. the fact is the world is diverse, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But uh, now that we are more aware, or I would say, what would you say? Like we've been forced to be aware. Maybe awakened because we have all that diversity within us as well. It's just that what was nurtured and what was shut down mm-hmm. right in our childhoods because of our culture, because of the society, because of, of everything that was going on around us. So we we've been taught to be the way that we are and shut things down and not accept certain things about us and focus on these other things that we've allowed to, to water and nurture and grow, which may not be as healthy. Yes. Yeah. So that compartmentalization Mm-hmm. is really affected the way we're being. And and I agree, this is like an awakening. You know, after we met, I went to, there was an event surrounding the Ultimate Coach book. We have various events, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we had one in India called the Ultimate Experience India mm-hmm. Edition. And there 
it was really a reawakening of, uh, uh, I think I would call it like an East meets West when it comes to being, right? So all those uh, parts where historically one philosophy is superior than the other, it was no more. It was just a beautiful synergy of being, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know there was one very recently, just like a couple of weeks ago. Was that the one you're talking about? Was there one before that too? No, no, no. This was in February. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So this one, um, yeah, it was, it was such a beautiful awakening. I, I love that word that you chose um, because it was, uh, we've always had our different ways of being, but just to see like all of humanity you know, together being love, you know, um, and, and I see your work, um, as a way that makes it super accessible for organizations to integrate that seamlessly into the, their work because right. People don't like to talk about, you know, the, the diversity within, Mm-hmm. never mind the diversity that we see with our eyes, you know? Exactly. So optics is a thing. Um, it is. And uh, so when people stop compartmentalizing within, what what is it that you observe? Who are they being? They're being equals. They're being, they're honoring the the equality and the, the sameness that we have that each of us has with each other as opposed to the distinction of the differences so we're not seeing ourselves as oh i'm a one i'm a two i'm a three i'm a four whatever it is i am all those numbers at different times and i can be and i can choose to be those numbers at different it's it's a choice right i am not gonna be a victim to my automatic nervous response system that says i'm gonna be this at this time and when under stress, I'm going to be that. And then when I'm comfort, I'm going to be this other one because it's an automatic line. I get to choose how I show up and how I, I am, how effective I am in every single situation. I am not going to just be a, an automatic response robot to, to my pre-wiring, my hard wiring. And it's, it's difficult. It's very difficult to do that because we, we, don't learn this early on. Most of us don't learn this early on. We learn this when that hardwiring is is really hardwired. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's much more difficult to rewire. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I I when you said really hardwired, I'm thinking, you remember when we had to go from um, I'm not even really sure what we used before for telecommunications and and then move to Fios. Do you remember all the road work that you saw? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. And um, so it's like that, that kind mm-hmm. of excavation happening. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Just as much destruction that needs to happen before the reconstruction happens. Yes. Yeah. And and try to avoid um, breaking the, the water lines and the, mm-hmm. you know, the electrical lines and stuff like that. So and those things have to uh still remain i i love how you're saying that it's a choice right and also you at the beginning you were talking about commitment 
So can you talk more about like what that commitment looks like when we are uh, shifting our compartmentalization? So usually, always actually, I would say (laughs) that commitment will be a result of pain, right? There is a pain, something that is truly painful that is causing someone to need to do something differently, to change. And that's the readiness part. When is someone ready for it? They're not going to be ready if everything's going great, if they're succeeding, if they're accomplishing everything they want, if they feel whole, if they feel like they're all the relationships are great and, and they have everything that they've ever imagined and envisioned and just feel complete and, and have spiritual awareness and, and just feel like they're, they're connected to everything they need to be connected with. When, the pain of not having all those things in place exceeds the comfort level and is perceived to be greater than what it's going to take to change the pain of change. Then that person is ready. So that's why in the book, you see people who are, executives, people who are high level that that have achieved many things in their lives. They're not 20 year olds. They're not, you know, well, there was one that was in his twenties, but everybody else was old. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and some of the people that were coached were, were early on because they were mentored. They were, they were really being mentored. Exactly. But a lot of times people go through life automatically with expectations that have been put upon them by their parents, society, the institutions they've gone to, whatever it is. And they don't recognize that there's more out there until they do, until that pain comes into play. And then they they realize, I need to do something differently. I can't continue at this pace. I can't continue at this, this level of greed or whatever it is. Uh, I'm wanting more and more and more, but it's not the right more. So it's... When we've gotten to that point of readiness, that's when we can actually make the change. And then the focus comes into play where we need to focus on something different. We need to quit our focus on what was causing us the pain that we're so comfortable with, because that's what our entire lives we've been focused on. And then focus on something that's different. In fact, many things that can be different. So that's that reminder, the constant reminder, that daily reminder, those affirmations, those, those, um, those the document right where where you have to remind yourself this is where I really should be going towards not these other things that I was focused on before that I didn't even know I was focused on because it was so ingrained in me I need to rewire I need to refocus I need to change direction change the navigation change the map change the what whatever the analogy is that you want to use or the metaphor so that's the importance of the focus and the and the constant reminder of that new focus. Because without that focus, without the reminder of it, we're going to just go back to those automatic responses and that it had served us well up until the point where the pain was too great. Yeah, I love that you brought the document in there because that's true. That's exactly what that is. That's the result of excavating all those poisons, forgiving mm-hmm. yourself, you know, yep. releasing the judgment and, um, you know, reemerging committed to being uh, your declarations. So exactly. Yeah. Carl, thank you so much for being on the ultimate coach podcast today. Is there anything? Yeah. I mean, it's like, 
uh, there's, I, I see the, the world's uh, becoming a better place through your work and you. um, through your state of being. Is there anything else you'd like to put into this space? Just the, and you mentioned this earlier, and I think it's a great reminder. We need to forgive ourselves for being human, honestly, <laughs> for, <laughs> for all the things that have caused us to, to get to the point where we are that need us to then have to change because we didn't know any better. There was that, that wonderful Maya Angelou quote that you do your best until you know better. And then when you know better, you do better, right? Yeah. So we've been doing our best based on what the world has given us and what we've focused on based on our situations. And once we understand that we can be better and we do the work to be better, then we can be better. We're never going to be perfect. And we need to forgive ourselves for that. But we can always strive for it, for, for a better version of ourselves. Yeah. 100%. Thank you so much. Um, I'm Cordelia Gaffar. Thank you for listening to the Ultimate Coach Podcast. And share this with another heart and share this with another being. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who would benefit from today's conversation, please share this podcast with them. Also, we invite you to visit theultimatecoachbook.com so you can continue your personal exploration of being. There you will find links to join our wonderful community, get your own copy of The Ultimate Coach book, and more. Simply go now to www.theultimatecoachbook.com. That's www.theultimatecoachbook.com. The link is also available in the show notes. We appreciate your support. Be blessed. Be you.